Welcome to Onward, the show where we explore emerging social innovations and chat with social innovators. I'm your host, Daniel Weinsberg. Many believe we are on the dawn of the fourth industrial revolution. So let's wind that back. The first industrial revolution was the one that took place between the 18th and 19th century in Europe. And it was when we were a mostly agrarian society and we became more industrial and urban, started trading in markets. The second industrial revolution is the one we're a lot more familiar with, happening between you know 1870 and 1914, just before World War I, period of enormous growth and industrialization. The third industrial revolution is the one we're currently in. It's the digital revolutions when all these awesome communication tools enabled connectivity in a way that was previously unimaginable. So what's the fourth industrial revolution, you ask? It's something you might have heard me talk about before. It's called blockchain. And it all started with a little something called Bitcoin. Bitcoin was born as an attempt to build a better monetary system. After all, the one we've got has caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. It's easily manipulated. And any time our centralized banks think they need to control the economy, they play these games, they print their money, and sometimes it results in things like recessions or Great Depressions, or maybe if you're Venezuelan, you'd uh, be familiar with inflation. Well, none of these things are directly attributable to one cause. They are cycles that have been perpetuated since central banking was the soup du jour. So, Bitcoin comes along, blockchain comes along, and tries to build a better monetary system. Currencies have a few things that make them currencies. Fungibility, divisibility, durability, transferability, and scarcity. All the currencies that global trade occurs in are what we currently know as fiat, centralized currencies. They're managed by centralized governments that have a pretty awful track record of managing currencies. So, in the ongoing and emboldening trend of decentralizing systems, people who are working on blockchain projects, on cryptocurrency projects, are trying to decentralize our monetary system to create more stability, transparency, immutability, and privacy around the money, the currencies we use day in and day out. In this episode, I sit down with Ryan, a.k.a. Fishy Guts, to discuss the project he's working on and how him and his team and his peers in the industry are working to decentralize money. So before we started, I see that your, uh, your name on all your handle is Fishy Guts. So I got to ask, why Fishy Guts? <laughs> So the legend goes that uh, my girlfriend, when she was eight years old, went on a trip to the lake to go fishing with her father and uncle, and her uncle had gutted a fish, put the 
contents onto a hamburger bun and fed it to her, and she ate it um, without without caution. And I don't know if the story is true or not to this day, but that's how the story goes. So she got the name Fishy Guts, and I adopted it online a few years back. <laughs> that's a sweet pretty, story. It's pretty memorable, right? I mean, that's kind of the idea. You you want to have a nice name that sticks in someone's mind, right? So absolutely absolutely so the reason why we're talking today is because i wanted to help educate and explore this topic about privacy and cryptocurrencies with my audience so i wanted just to start out slow kind of meta level and then we'll get into more of the the technical weeds but to, to help kick us off get us rolling what is a cryptocurrency so <laughs> a cryptocurrency is a digital form of value. Uh, there are many cryptocurrencies available to date right now, the big one being Bitcoin, obviously, the original one that solved the double spend issue. Um, and from that, many ideas have grown and spawned where, you know, Ethereum is also a cryptocurrency, but it's not considered a store of value as much as Bitcoin. It would, it's more of a, quote, worldwide computer is kind of the idea where they're going with, right? Machine money. So cryptocurrencies are a digital form of um, payment or value, transactional value that, um, that facilitates much more rapid and secure transactions in these digital times that we live in, where everything in the world is connected. And so I just came back from a, uh, a weekend with a bunch of friends. We were splitting bills and everyone was using Venmo. So a lot of them were arguing to me that, you know, why do we need this? We already have digital money. So why is a cryptocurrency more important than uh, these digital tools we have to transfer money, PayPal, Venmo, yada, yada? Sure. So I guess the main idea that people really are appreciative of the, the cryptocurrency and blockchain aspect is it's the removal of trust. So that basically means that you don't have to trust a middleman, a third party, a bank, or anyone like that to hold your funds, secure your funds, send your funds, authorize you to use your funds, that sort of thing, right? Some people maybe have, listening now, have had issues from the bank where let's say they froze a check or charged back a payment if you're a vendor, right? So um, the cryptocurrencies need to help take that middleman and that trust aspect out of the uh, equations. Okay. So one thing that really attracted me to the blockchain space a few years back was the, uh, the level of transparency and immutability that the blockchain enables, facilitating sure. the transaction of, of data, of money, you name it. And your currency that you and your team have created, Pirate Chain, boasts some of the highest levels of privacy. So why, why does privacy... Why is privacy so important when transparency on the blockchain is also so important? How do we square that? <laughs> good question, good question. So the idea with transparency on the blockchain is you're creating an immutable record of something. Uh, you can have a blockchain of people who track where they park their cars for their entire lives and it would be an immutable record. They can go back 20 years and find out where they parked back in San Francisco if they were able to find a spot, you know, years ago. Uh, the the feature of that is being able to again going back to the last question being trustless where you don't have to have a third party authorizing transactions authorizing data authorizing swaps secondary to that now you mentioned the privacy part and how do you square the two way well 
right now with our current financial system, we, we have a very large amount of privacy, right? You don't go into Starbucks and whip out your bank statement and show the guy how much money you have as you're paying for your latte, right? It's just, that would be absurd. Um, same thing goes for pretty much everything else you do with your funds, right? Unless you're trying to pay your taxes or qualify for a loan or something like that, where you do want to show the right person this information. So, you know, with privacy protocols, most privacy protocols, there is a way to share um, your own specific personal data without sharing it with the world. Usually that's with a viewing key or a, pr a private viewing key. And you can share that with any, um, any authorities or any people that you want that you do want to share the information with. So again, going back to the example, you didn't go, you can go buy a sandwich today and tell the lady, you know, I've got $12,000 in this account and 72,000 in this account. And here's four bucks for a sandwich. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. Right. And so people who argue against privacy and cryptocurrencies kind of tend to lose sight of that fact that we already work in a system like that. Mm -hmm. huh. I mean, that's, that's essentially the, the, the fact the, the, the crux of it is the digital ledger is the banks right now taking care of your information, adding, subtracting all of your debits, but they also have this sovereign authority over decisions. They can take a call from a customer who says they charged me the wrong amount and charge them back. They can freeze your funds based on something the government erroneously thinks about you, right? Um, Doug Polk, the poker guy, had a bunch of poker winnings a few years back and his banks were freezing his accounts and that's how he got into cryptocurrency. So, um, there's definitely a disconnect between the current system we use that has a very large degree of privacy and people thinking, you know, cryptocurrencies, you know, privacy and cryptocurrencies for nefarious actions, right? Privacy isn't needed for crypto. It's supposed to be public. Well, not if you're moving towards a new financial legacy system. So, so, so what was the, the moment or the ex event that pivoted you from focusing and operating in the legacy world to the crypto world, blockchain? Um, so I never really jumped in head first in terms of the financial aspect of it. I was really interested in the tech part. I read an article about Monero a few years back and that was really interesting to me to, to kind of delve into what we just talked about right there about private versus public and blockchains at a basic level and the article was actually about how criminals are using Monero, you know, and I'm going, well, criminals use cash, right? Like nobody's sending a, anything online to, there's some way to track that somehow, right? They're using suitcases of cash. They've been doing it for a hundred years. So um, that made me spawn into, cause I personally think journalism is, I don't want to say a joke, but a lot of times these sensational journalists uh, write some pretty interesting stories. So it helped me dig back into what is Monero what are they doing with it? And then I started mining <laughs> right away, just with my PC. And um, yeah, from there, it was it was just about the technology and the way it worked and how it worked and what it did and what it could provide. And I, I don't want to say limitless is the word, but I mean, the more you look at it, it, it tends to feel that way. Yeah. In trying to explain blockchain to folks who aren't as technically uh, oriented. I've been trying to, to come up with different metaphors mm -hmm. um, that are based in kind of the, the world we're currently living in. So w what I've done with uh, mining is say it's payment transaction essentially. Is, would you echo that? So um, give me a better one. How's that? 
Better well, method. The mining is the confirmation of the transaction. So when a block is found, that would be like my bank receiving the email from your bank that says Daniel is sending Fishy, you know, a hundred dollars, right? And that that mining block would be my bank confirming with your bank that you have the hundred dollars. I mean, essentially the mining transaction is that's the end point of it. But a mining transaction can do that for hundreds of people all at the same time. They encrypt each transaction in a hash mark. So our transaction has its own hash mark and you and my friend's transaction has its own hash mark and everyone else and they're all on the same block. So every time a miner finds a block, they're basically confirming all these transactions. So the reason that we mine, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, financial is obviously the first, right? It's a mining is considered a selfish thing um, where miners mine for block rewards and the bigger underlying purpose of mining is to secure the network the more people we have running around trying to confirm transactions and validating each transaction the more secure you're going to be able to trust the answers on those transactions right if you have two people running around verifying transactions and one guy gets it wrong there's a high chance that could have been the second guy in line and now you're gonna, only gonna get $10 from me, not a hundred, right? And now the bank says, oh no, we, we only sent $10. It wasn't a hundred dollars. And now I've got to trust the bank to make sure everything was done right. And if it wasn't, I have to go back and fight and deal and struggle with it. So it sort of puts the power in your own hands. And so let's pivot uh, to your project, Pirate Chain. What is it? How is it operating? Why is it so important for the blockchain ecosystem, for the world, for users? Yeah, so I was brought on about six months ago. The chain only started about seven months ago. It was a, shoot, what's the word? I don't want to say an experiment, but essentially there were guys chatting in the Komodo platform discord about how do we make the most private chain available? And the discussion turned to the fact that ZK Snarks really is currently the strongest privacy tech available. Um, you know, stronger than Mimblewimble, even though that's been in development for a while, it's stronger than Kryptonite. Um, and even those developers have acknowledged that too. I think that, I think that once they found out what they were starting to create, the Komodo developers in the community, they really decided that this was something that, that could work. So they, they set up the chain at the end of August, proof of work, um, fair launch, and <laughs> I mean, essentially when you have a group of 40 developers who are sitting there going, not only have we created the strongest privacy coin available, but it's also one of the most secure we should really do something about this. <laughs> That's kind of a good, uh, a good call to action, you know? So, do so some these developers were just working on this project as volunteers. They were excited about the potential. Correct. And one of them just said, let's launch this basically. And so August 30th, I think was the Genesis block. And they had secured the delayed proof of work, the security measures that Komodo provides. Are you familiar with that? No. <clears throat> so delayed proof of work is 
was one of Komodo's big advancements right at the beginning of their chain about three years ago. They they basically take a copy of a blockchain. So let's just use Pirate for example. They'll take a copy of the Pirate blockchain every ten minutes and they'll ha they'll encrypt it into a hash and put it on the Bitcoin blockchain. So it's sort of like a backup drive. You remember zip drives or tape drives back in the day, right? right. So it's like a backup drive or a zip drive of your blockchain every 10 minutes and it's secured onto Bitcoin. So that's never going to get hacked. You know, that's never going to get 51%. That's, that's pretty secure there. So that data, you can always go back every 10 minutes and check for security. So, so for example, if Pirate ever has a 51% attack or a double spend or a hack on the chain or some exploit on the chain for some code issue, we can always revert back to the most previous recent proper state of the blockchain that's been recorded on Bitcoin with Komodo's delayed proof of work. On, on Komodo right now, they're securing, I think, 10 or 20 asset chains with delayed proof of work right now. Um, that was kind of one of the biggest things they really wanted to add at the beginning because when you have a privacy chain, as you said, right, there's, there's, there's sort of this unknown delta of how do you control what's going on and how do you ensure that there's no issues, right? Right. So um, it was just an added security feature that if there was ever any issues or challenges that they could go back and, and, and fix that, right? So um, took care of the transactional spam issue, took care of the double spend issue, took care of, uh, there was one more small issue that they fixed working on it, but uh, yeah, man, they launched in August. And uh, you know, even Fluffy Pony says that ZK Snarks Z to Z is the most private um, way to transact right now on the blockchain currently. You know, the developer of Monero, they've got an amazing product, an amazing project, and really proud of what they've been able to do as a community, you know, and for him to say something like that is it's pretty humbling, you know, it's really nice to hear. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, I didn't do it. Zcash did it, right? We just uh, forked their code and doing... We're really doing what they should be doing. I mean, in my opinion, um, if they had all Z to Z transactions, like Monero has all private transactions, Pirate wouldn't even be here. And Zcash would probably be, be you know, a thousand dollar coin today. Um, but instead they're not really much different than Bitcoin with CoinJoin or Mixins or, you know, the fact that, that not much of their chain is in shielded transactions. So those are the private transactions really uh, hinders their, their privacy protocol. So for the non-tech guys, basically imagine a hundred people walking down the street and every single one of those guys is, you know, playing the hidden coin trick with their money in their hands, right? Well, you have no idea who's got money and whose is what money and where. If you have a hundred guys walking down the street and only seven of them or 10 of them are doing the hidden coin trick, well, you know who's shuffling their money around, and every time it leaves their hands and goes back to private and public addresses, smart enough people and powerful enough computers are going to be able to figure that out. Right. So, um, you know, opt-in privacy is, I don't want to use the word a bad idea, because I get it, I guess, but it's really, you know, for people who depend on privacy, it's really more dangerous than anything. So, so what are some things that people should be buying privately well it depends on what your lifestyle is you know um again a lot of these conversations we're having daniel assume that cryptocurrency is 
adopted and used and everyone's sort of on the same page on that, right? So with that said, let's say that, let's say that you got a new job, it's very demanding, your boss wants you there 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, he's a hard A. Um, it's a great job, you love it, making good money, but uh, very demanding. And the boss sees that you're buying cribs and diapers and car seats and stuff like that, right? You may not be up for a promotion next time around, right? If they got a new position coming up, he may say, well, you know, Daniel looks like he might be a little busy in his life coming up. We may not want to, uh, you know, to, to let him um, step up in this position. We don't think he's going to be available for the company, right? Um, let's say you're a supplier for, I don't know, let's just say a t-shirt printing company shop in town locally. And you've got the best deal on inks and you've got the best deal on shirts and you just came into town and you're ready to take it by storm. Well, if you're running on a public ledger sharing all of your purchaser data and all your purchaser contractors with, the competing shop in town can just go right to your data and just say, well, I'll pay you a penny more or I'll pay you this or, you know, you, it creates an unfair um, situation of, I don't want even want to use the word competition because that's not what it is, right? Right. right. Um, I mean, okay. So, I going, you know, if you want, like, I don't know how long you guys want to listen, but I'm sure a lot of your listeners are sitting there going, well, yeah, I don't want anyone to know that, you know, I'm, I'm buying a book about sex. I'm 17 years old and I'm afraid that my parents are, you know, going to be treating me differently. I'm in Mormon, you know, Utah, right? Right. Like, something like that, right? There's a million reasons that we can keep going on this um, topic. And none of them have to be nefarious, right? Okay. Okay. Right. But, but let's wind this back to uh, the point said right before you gave some of those great examples. Um, <laughs> these cryptocurrencies are not yet mass adopted what's it going to take for that to grow outside of the, the cypherpunks or the speculating market that's currently really stoked on these tools? Yeah, I think that the second move that we're making right now from cypherpunks to speculation, like you said, you know, we had the run from mid 17 on and we've had a lot of people watching since during the bull or during the bear. And I think the next wave that comes through will still be more speculation and more speculators and those people who are afraid to dip their toe in the first or the second or the fourth time that it's been done when it's done, right? Once, once you have enough people understanding that on a basic level what the technology is doing, I think you're going to have a lot more um, business development. And I know it sounds awful, but in order for blockchain to take off and become more universally accepted and adopted, it's going to take a lot more business development, a lot more commercial use development. Um, you and know. so does that mean like uh, PayPal is accepting it, Shopify, all of our online retailers? Right, so like, perfect example you just gave, right? So PayPal doesn't take crypto, Shopify only accepts certain cryptos. We had to have a plugin developed for Pirate, for our project, so that people can spend pirate on Shopify. Uh, there wasn't something that they supported before. It's not something they support natively. We have to pay you know, $10,000 to, to, for coinpayments.net or whatever to get added as a protocol if they approve us, right? Um, all that goes back to the central authority type stuff that people don't necessarily need. Why, why are you telling me I can't take pirate for you know, selling books online, right? right. So, um, 
for word the plugin for WordPress and added us into it. And the more people start seeing, you know, oh, let's go to checkout. Oh, what's what's this Bitcoin payment? Oh, interesting. I heard about Bitcoin from my grandson. And then they got other types of crypto payments. People will start to see that it's not just a fluke and it's not just a fad. And you know, it has been 10 years that people have been hearing about it, right? And it's gonna take another 10 years before it becomes popular. I mean, what was the first mobile phone you ever remember uh, encountering, Daniel? Can you, can you recall? Oh God, my aunt had one of those uh, big flip ones and it was in her car. I forget the name of it. It must've been a Motorola, I think. Sure. I, you know, my dad dated a woman. I was, I was 11 years old, a couple decades or more ago, right? And the thing was like a briefcase that had a handle and it weighed like eight pounds and the antenna was like two feet long. And, you know, now it's like I can use my watch to make a phone call, you know, and that's three decades later, right? So we're still at the point where the flip phone hasn't even come out yet. So, you know, once someone comes out with the Motorola Flip um, and then the Nokia and then, you know, iPhone, bam, like that's, it's going to take 20 years, 25 years before the big catalyst comes along um, to where 7 billion people are using it, right? I don't even see, you know, 500 million people as adoption, right? Like that's, that's a good chunk. But when you talk about full scale financial system overhaul, you're talking half the people in the world right or more so um ease of use right trust level even though you're working in a trusted trustless type system people need to have a trust level with that whether that's a trust in their own capabilities or a trust in the fact that no matter what they do they can do it right you know um i think that's another big delta which is funny because you know it's a trustless system and we don't need to have any trust. And well, unfortunately that's what it's going to take for grandma to want to use it. Yeah. We need some sort of trust in the, the institution of Bitcoin of crypto to exist. Right. And the news stories that have been coming out, there's not a lot of trust. We're hearing about hacks and you know, CEOs dying with the keys. And right. And I sent money to some scammer and I don't have the bank to call me back to get it back. You know? So, so running with the uh, the phone conversation, we see Samsung S whatever their next. Oh yeah, the crypto wallet phone. A uh, native crypto wallet. Yeah. Is this a good thing, or is this a sign that the uh, the powers that be are co-opting the movement? So, first of all, I guess I mean I haven't looked into who's launching it, the, the people behind it, if it is Samsung, if it's someone else, if it's, you know, Magnum wallet trying to get into Samsung, or if it's truly a truly digital wallet where you own your own keys and code and, and um, you know, wallet import stuff. Uh, let's assume that it is, right? Let's assume that it's a fully self-sovereign wallet and you've got control of everything. I think that's cool. I think that when, you know, Uncle Charlie gets his Samsung phone and he's got this button that's, you know, looks like a coin, but it's got a lightning bolt in it and he clicks it and kind of talks about wallets and how to set them up. He's going to blow right over it the first time, you know, but he's seen it. And, you know, when Timmy, his nephew comes over for Christmas, he's going to say, oh, you got the S10. Did you, you know, are you using crypto yet? You know, and 
and that conversation goes again and oh no it's really easy and here's how you do it and just you know save your keys and save your data and be safe with it and you know that that sort of <clears throat> that sort of injection into society will certainly help a lot you know when it's on everyone's phone at that point Another exciting injection I came across, uh, maybe it was two nights ago, was watching that Netflix show, The AO. Have not seen it. Give me it's sci-fi, and uh, it's a good show, but a lot of the, the actions taking place around, they find this, this woman's phone, and it's got all the money on it, and they need to figure out how to get it, but it's all ETH. And so there's this cool education that they're doing through the narrative of it. Nice. Perfect. Highly produced show, well watched. So I know, like, all right, this is another touch point for the masses to begin uh, getting acclimated to what the heck this digital money is. Oh yeah, people talking at work about it, and you know, someone will talk about one Netflix show, and someone else will bring that up, and then someone else will watch it, and that's what it takes. You know, I've got uh, I've got buddies who I've talked to for you know two years about it, and just now some of them are asking me about it again it's like yeah that's you know good i'm glad you're asking right yeah bring on the questions so so what keeps you up at night about the blockchain revolution or the privacy movement hmm. you know i think the biggest challenge for me is god there's a couple things you know, I think the biggest challenge is people who look at it as a way to make money prior to a way to solve a problem. I think that people who are out there duplicating other chains and duplicating other projects and ideas versus working on those projects or offering to work on those projects, you know, is, uh, it's a little, it's a little frustrating, you know, um, I think that certainly things could be done better and faster and more powerful and of a much higher caliber if all of these minds came together, right? So just because one chain is doing something already and you wanna do something different, doesn't mean you're gonna do it better. Doesn't mean they're not doing something better that you can't do. So why not figure out a way to you know, put it together, but everyone's just got a bunch of zeros, you know, in their mind right now, and they're just trying to, trying to put a big one in front of that, you know, and, and, and make a bunch of money, and that's, that's pretty frustrating. Um, let's see what else is frustrating right now in cryptocurrency. Closed source software, like, I'm, I'm not really a software developer, but I've learned in the past couple of years that closed source is kind of like cancer until you open it up to everyone, like, it's just not, trusted and it's not good it's it's been proven time and again with hacks and and issues and problems with chains and so uh, closed source is pretty frustrating um you know uh i don't have a problem with uh, certain centralized projects you know i think that certain things are needed for stuff like that um certain certain projects definitely are not okay to be uh, centralized, you know? So for example, like a privacy coin, that needs to be a decentralized project. It needs to be a network run by the users, like Monero, like Zcash, like what we do. You know, a centralized privacy project just really isn't, um, you know, where you have a central governing body like um, B20 
Beam or Bitcoin Private where they get to make the shots and make the calls and look what happened with Bitcoin Private, right? Like you remember the whole, um, they had a whole printing bug or, or two million something extra Bitcoin Private were printed at the beginning of the chain by the team and then hidden in private addresses, you know? Like, I don't know. I think that those those are kind of the main things that, that really are um, big to me, you know? Open source is important. Um, and so on the flip side of that, what, what are some current trends or developments in the ecosystem that are really exciting you and giving you hope that mass adoption will take place? <clears throat> yeah, so I think, you know, like a project like VET, right? VeChain, where if they can do what they're setting out to do and enable you know, goods verification, right? Uh, product chain verification is a big challenge for businesses. You know, you and I may not experience that stuff, but it's a huge, huge problem for businesses to manage their product chains. And I think for cryptos to really start to take on, we need to hit them at those levels, product chain levels, employee levels, purchaser levels, because once those people start transacting in this with business, right? Think about it. Oh, it's not my money. It's just the company money. I can, oh, look, digital send. Oh, cool, crypto. That's neat. Look what I do at work, you know? Hey, wait a minute. That's what I do at work already, right? Oh, wait, they want to pay me in that now? Oh, okay, I, I can see that. So I do think that that's a big adoption factor that could really be pushed, but that's a different conversation, you know? Um, let's see, what other projects are really good? Like, uh, like the Tube app you know, where content creators can get paid for their work, right? I think that's a cool avenue to adoption, you know, Instead more relying on the traditional advertising reps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The brave browser is another, you know, that's good right. example of a perfect stepping stone for people to get into crypto. Right. Okay. So, so I'm sure through this conversation, you've piqued some people's interest. You've helped uh, them better understand what the heck this stuff is. It's not just used by, money launders and drug dealers. So for those interested in learning more about blockchain, where should these folks go? Um, I guess the, the big thing is, what are you trying to learn? You know, um, how deep are you trying to go down the rabbit hole? You know, um, let's assume it's just the first step going from I only have fiat to, okay, I'm going to buy me some, some Litecoin, some Ethereum. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, gosh, there's so many reason, resources out there. Let me just check this one website real quick that I know is always a good sort of tip intro, you know, way for people to kind of get the basic crash course. Um, 99bitcoins.com. Have you heard of this? No. So it's just sort of goes over general news things, has uh, resources for people to help buy, trade, how to get a wallet, what hardware wallets are, exchange reviews, even a little mining section. Um, and it's sort of very uh, commercialized. If you look at it, it feels like a, you know, a commercial website almost. That's 99 Bitcoins. Um, I... If you're a reader and a tech guy, totally read uh, the book Mastering Bitcoin. And an even easier read is Mastering Monero. Uh, I read that one just recently and I breezed 
it was a breeze in three days or so. I finished that book and uh, it was a great eye opener to privacy projects and an easier sort of intro to cryptocurrency than even mastering Bitcoin because mastering Bitcoin is very technical mm. and mastering Monero, Sarah Hack and the team really did a good job with writing a very easy to understand book. Okay. And for the folks that are further along in their blockchain journey and they're like, okay, pirate chain sounds like it could be big. What can people learn more about you, your team, your work? Absolutely, Daniel. So we just updated our website. We're still finishing up the team page and the merchants portal, but there's some basic information on there. You know, it's got our explorers, our APIs. Um, the biggest thing I would say is if someone is familiar with cryptos but not familiar with the ZK snarks to look into that to see the strength of the protocol to see how powerful it is um, the really only hang-up that people tend to sort of have is the trusted setup issue and by that it they mean where a set number of users have to create the keys the proven keys for the ZK part so at the very beginning of the blockchain X number of users in this case it was over 80 I'll have a little piece of a private key that is used to create the zero knowledge proof. And this knowledge proof is used all the way across all the transactions on the chain. Okay. So you set it up once and then it's used every time. The first implementation of Zcash was on Sprout. They had six people set up the ceremony. Uh, Peter Todd and some of those other guys, you know, were um, the original group who had, who had done the setup. And when we went to Sapling, they had over 80 users. So the idea being that if only one person in that entire group of people was able to destroy their cryptographic waste to protect their generation of the keys to not be compromised, then there's no way that anyone could compromise the chain, right? Only one person has to, 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 to get it right. The only way they could compromise is every single person who, who performed the setup ceremony was compromised which is just i mean there's not enough tinfoil in the world for that to wear on your head i think i think but you got 80 people distributed around the world different servers different yeah there's like literally people flying in airplanes and like i think one guy was under the ocean and like it's just like there's no way you know so um yeah i i so if you want to learn more about pirate and privacy and zcash boom check out zcash check out zk snarks read up about a 100% ZK snarks, you know, type chain, put that concept in your mind and you'll sit there and go, wow, that is pretty amazing. I mean, it's, it's ultimately a military grade privacy protocol. So um, we're looking to do messengers on it, hopefully peer-to-peer um, -peer photo and file sharing, right? So just sort of, that's all down the road, but you know, it's a, it's a great privacy protocol and we are looking to expand it as much as we have. There were no Z address, exchanges when we started we've got two going you know zcash has been around for a few years they never had an exchange adopt z address payments in and out um, we've got tip bots commerce plugins we're working on the mobile wallet right now we just finished a full node for uh, our project so you can do a little raspberry pi style full node and run you know your own private transactions through that for extra security so just 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 pushing that 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 zcash project as far as it can go is really what we're our goal is awesome it sounds like you guys have been doing some great work um and i know you got a lot of work ahead of you so before i let you go uh any calls to actions last words 
crypto is meant to be used, right? It's a currency, right? For the most part. I think that the more people start using it and transacting and exchanging with it, and the less people that hold it as a speculatory item, we will move much faster towards that era of adoption that we were talking about earlier, where I don't buy or mine 100,000 pirate because I think it's gonna go up in value. I buy or mine 100,000 pirate because I wanna buy stuff online. I'm buying clothes, I'm buying books, I'm buying, I mean, literally like, I, I know this is a, a podcast, but somebody wanted to make phone cases. I'm like, sure, I'll support commerce. I'll support your efforts, right? Like, I think it's great. And so we have on our website, hopefully done by the time this gets aired, uh, a merchant's portal page. And if you know anyone who takes payments online, cryptocurrencies especially, through any, any shop that they own, we're glad to help get them set up, help teach them how to do it if they don't know how to do it, if they know what they're doing, glad to provide any troubleshooting work. You know, these shopkeepers are our life, our lifeblood if, for cryptocurrencies, I think. And if we can show them that, that we care about them and we realize how important they are, then, uh, then I hope they'll, uh, they'll definitely start flocking towards a project like ours. Awesome. Awesome. I love the focus on, on the retail, the small business. We need them to adopt to really push this forward, man. So yeah. time, I'm looking forward to seeing where, where the project and the movement goes. Daniel, Hey, you're a pleasure to talk to you, man. I can't, I can't say that we got everything out today. So if you want to have another chat, please reach out because uh, I feel like there's a lot of stuff we could have kept going on. So I appreciate your time today. And if you ever need anything or have any questions, man, please reach out. Blockchain, cryptocurrency, these words might be new to your lexicon, but the trend, the movement that is driving this is not. Over the last 20 years, we've seen almost every industry become decentralized, whether it's transportation with the likes of Uber and Lyft, or whether it's hotels with Airbnb, or whether it's social movements with hashtag me too, hashtag Black Lives Matter, or the music industry with things like Napster, or Torrents, or information, like Wikipedia, or more generally, the internet. Most of our fundamental institutions have been democratized and decentralized in radical and profound ways in the last 20 years. Our monetary system has not. If we can decentralize our monetary system and put power back into the hands of people and not centralized institutions that have ulterior motives, we can begin making more circular economies, more equitable allocation of resources, and more secure ways to transact with one another in the digital age. If you aren't hip to cryptocurrencies, if you own none, that's quite all right. This is the beginning of the revolution, the evolution to a more secure monetary system. Take Ryan, aka Fishy Guts advice, go check out 99Bitcoins, Go plug some uh, keywords into YouTube and begin your education into economic freedom. 
a big thanks to my buddy Jay Lately for providing the music and the sponsorship of the Onward podcast. Jay Lately is a hip-hop artist out of Oakland who dedicates his time to enriching the lives of youth in Oakland and around the states through his music, through his words, and through his poetry. Interested in sponsoring the podcast yourself? Get at me. dwinesveg at gmail.com That's D-W-E-I-N-Z-V-E-G And last but certainly not least, a huge thanks to all my listeners, all my followers, and all my supporters. Make sure to subscribe to Onward at soundcloud.com backslash onward. Find us at the iTunes podcast store or Anchor FM. And if you would be so kind as to leave a review, a little words, a few stars go a long way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Onward. Until next time, onward and upward. Mm -hmm.